0: Once more, let us come before God in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, your word has power to change our lives and to create a whole new world. As we meditate on your word this day, fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we may treasure your word with our whole hearts and fix our eyes on you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Our first scripture reading is taken from the Old Testament, Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 34. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more our second reading is a responsive psalm, psalm 51 have mercy on me O God according to your steadfast love
2: according to
1: your abundant mercy blot out my transgressions wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin for I know know my 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 transgressions And And my sin sin is ever ever before before me. Against you, you alone, have I sinned and what, and done what is evil in your sight.
2: So that that you you are justified in your sentence
1: and blameless when you 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 pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. You desire desire truth in the inward being. being. Therefore
0: Therefore, teach teach me me wisdom wisdom in my secret heart.
1: Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow.
0: Let me hear joy and gladness. Let Let the bones that you have
1: have crushed crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me.
2: Restore Restore to me
1: the joy of your salvation,
0: and sustain in me a willing spirit.
2: From the New Testament, Hebrews 5, verses 5 to 10. So also Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but was appointed by the one who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, He learned obedience through what he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, having been designated by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. And from the New Testament, John 12, verses 20 to 33. Now, among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not for mine. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word to us.
0: Friends in Christ, what I say to you this morning is proclaimed in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have you seen Jesus? As we, as we turn to the gospel lesson for this morning, John sets a scene before us. It is Passover. And as a result, the city of Jerusalem is thronged with people. Perhaps it would be similar to our own experience of going up to Ottawa for Canada Day, when the streets are filled with so many people that you can hardly make your way through the crowd as everyone mills here and there. There are so many people that can hardly move. And they're from far and wide. People from all the provinces of Canada and from overseas all come together to celebrate our great nation. Well, Passover was kind of like that in Jesus' day. It was a time when the city of Jerusalem would be filled with faithful Jews from across the Near East who had made their annual pilgrimage to the Holy City to participate in this great celebration of faith and faith identity at the temple. But it wasn't just all of the faithful Jews who came to Jerusalem for Passover. There were other people there as well. Each year... The Roman procreator, Pontius Pilate, would travel from Caesarea to Jerusalem with all of the people who made up the household of the ruler of Judea. And especially with his legions of Roman soldiers, they would become to Jerusalem at this time the time of the Passover celebration to reinforce the Jerusalem garrison and to make sure that during these celebrations of God's actions in freeing the children of God from slavery in Egypt that the inhabitants of Judah did not get any ideas about present day emancipation from those who oppressed them but there were also others as well There were Greeks, other people from all throughout the Roman Empire, people whom the Old Testament likes to refer to as Gentiles, non-Jewish converts to Judaism, and curious others who found in the Jewish faith something that spoke to them and drew them to this celebration and the idea of freedom that was so dramatically embodied in this celebration of Passover. All of them would come and meet in the city for a for a week of feasting and celebration of worship and praise. And John reports to us that there was this group of Greeks who came to Philip with a request. Sir, they said, we wish to see Jesus. Philip takes this request to Andrew, and together they go to Jesus. And Jesus answers them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And then he goes on to teach, enter into a discussion with his disciples about how a grain of wheat must be buried in the ground for it to bear fruit. Jesus' response to this request is an important turning point in John's Gospel. One of, on seven occasions before this in the Gospel of John, either John says or, or sorry, pardon, pardon me, either Jesus says or John shares with us, the reader, that Jesus' hour had not yet come. In their context, in the unfolding story of John's gospel, these words serve as a cautionary to us. Not to become distracted by the signs and the miracles that Jesus is doing. As great as they were and as significant as they were in pointing toward who Jesus was, they were insufficient in their own. And so every time someone would be amazed with what Jesus did, Jesus would say, No, not this. My hour has not yet come. And then we come to this morning's story. And on this day, when those Greeks come asking to see Jesus, then Jesus says, Now my time has come. What has changed here? Well, one of the things that has changed is that these people who come are outside of the Jewish covenant. The Greeks who come to see Jesus stand for the rest of the world. And while Jesus comes into the context of the Jewish faith, he comes into the covenant that God formed with Abraham and Sarah and stands in the direct line of God's promise to God's people from that covenant. Jesus' mission was to redeem not just this one people, but the entirety of creation. The acknowledgement in these verses is that the entire world has come to Jesus, and Jesus is, is ready now to save them from their sin. That's one of the things that we learn in this text this morning, there are two very critical parts of Jesus' identity that are contained in this text. The first is universality. The second is this, that knowing and understanding who Jesus is can only be found in, in our understanding of Jesus' nature of self-emptying love. Once he learns that that the Greeks have come to speak to him, Jesus then turns to his disciples and gives them this teaching. For those of us who grew up with the King James Version of the Bible, this starts with, Verily, verily, I say unto you, which always means in the Gospel of Mark, pay attention to these words. But today we would say, Whoever serves me the Father will honor. It is impossible for us to fully know Jesus without understanding that Jesus Christ came into the world to atone for the sins of the world, to pay the ransom for our sin and to sin and to remend and to mend the relationship that once existed between God and creation. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was asked by an acquaintance if I could explain for him the differences between all of the various religions that are out there. My first reaction interior was, wow, that's a big question. I'm not sure I'm ready for that. But I said I would give it a try. And as part of that discussion, we noted that there are several religions that acknowledge the presence of Jesus in human history and each deals with them in with Jesus in different ways. I'm sure you've heard people in your own cohort say things like they believe maybe that Jesus was a great teacher, but they're not sure that he was a Messiah. Perhaps they might even go so far as to say that Jesus was a prophet. But they're not sure about the fact that he is a savior. What is missing from this understanding is the salvific nature or work of Jesus. That Jesus didn't just come to teach good lessons. Jesus didn't just come to be the mouthpiece for God. But that Jesus was himself, very God. And that on the cross, Jesus dies and redeems us from our sin. It is the central tenet of our Christian faith. With each passing week now, in these latter days of Lent, we draw closer and closer to the cross. Soon it will be Good Friday, and we will remember how Jesus set aside self and suffered rejection and cruelty and death upon the cross for all creation and for us. Good Friday is an important part of the faith story. It is half of the pivotal faith story. Our sin is taken from us on Good Friday as Jesus dies on the cross and we receive new life each day as Jesus is raped We receive new life on Easter Day as Jesus is raised from the dead and proves that even death cannot thwart the will of God. It is surprising then that in my experience, Good Friday is not one of those services when our churches are packed. Indeed, Good Friday may well be one of the more poorly attended services in all of the church year. It's surprising because on Good Friday we hear again that story about how great God's love is for us that God would send the only begotten Son to take upon himself the sins of the world and put them to death on the cross. But I know in talking to many people, they go, but I don't like that part of the story. I don't like the idea of the suffering Jesus, the one who is weak and who suffers for us. And so they stay away. But we can never fully know Jesus until we look at the Jesus who hangs on the cross. Because that is the Jesus who takes away the sins of the world. The 20th century German theologian Karl Barth casts the redemption, redemptive work of Jesus Christ in this manner. He says that through our sin, humanity had continually been saying no to the will of God. That we are like some impetuous two-year-old. That regardless of what we might be offered, our response is always, no. But, Bart continues, that in Jesus Christ, Jesus says yes. And in doing so, he shows us the great benefit of our own saying yes to God. It is only as we say yes that we can begin to live lives that are in line with God's kingdom of justice and peace. It is, as those words that we shared with the young people from the psalm this morning so rightly, uh, so, so rightly encapsulate, that we turn with Jesus to ask God to create in us a clean heart and to renew a right spirit within me. As we were speaking about John chapter three last week, we mentioned the fact that those those difficult last verses, because they are verses that that uh, that that cause us to wrestle with what Jesus does and for whom He does it, and the fact that in those words that Jesus that that those who do not believe in Jesus are condemned already because they have not received the only begotten Son of God. There holds out for us and for all the invitation to become, to become renewed in our lives of faith and to receive that renewal in Jesus. As we prepare for Easter once more this year, let us look for the love of God that is made real for us in the life of Jesus. As Jesus taught his disciples, on the night of his arrest. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friend. To know Jesus is to know a love just like that. Have you seen Jesus? Amen.